And now, coming at you from the Five Star Physique Studio in Knoxville, Tennessee, this is The Drop Set with your host, Darren Starr. Oh my goodness, shame on me. Uh, Darren Starr here reporting for duty episode 101. I said last week on, what was it, Wednesday I think, when we uh, recorded episode 100, the epic milestone uh, marker episode that uh, I'd be back on Friday. I was not. I slacked off. Um, apologies. So things are kind of returned to normal now. Um, you know, the wife's uh, Christmas break is over. Um, things are kind of you know back to back to normal here. I am uh, without Taz, my emotional support animal. Um, this morning he is off to the vet for a routine all day uh, comprehensive exam, including dental workup. So lucky boy. Um, so it's just me and Bella holding down the fort. Bella, how you doing back there? And uh, oh, she's sacked out. Surprise, surprise. Tongue hanging three inches out of her mouth, as is always the case. So um, yeah, we're all good here. We're all good. Now, um, I do have full disclosure here. If you listen closely here, hold on. Yeah, anything? Might have heard some of that. I don't know. Um, we have landscapers out back today. So uh, they may be interrupting things a little bit. You might hear them banging around on some stuff. Um, but hey, you know, I I never said this was a, uh, a totally professional operation here. So I can't be accused of false advertising. Um, things are going pretty well over here. I had a, uh, a really good, relaxing catch-up weekend. Um, I... <laughs> shut down the computer for hours at a time and didn't check email or anything like that, which was really a, a nice change of pace. Uh, and uh, I took a two and a half hour nap yesterday, which I'm like, I'm going to lay down for you know, 20, 30 minutes. And then I wake up almost two and a half hours later, like, holy shit, what happened? Where did that come from? Uh, but it was necessary. And I uh, got updated training split from coach yesterday following a check in there. So I started that today. And it uh, kicked off with legs, pretty brutal workout there. And for the first time in a while, kind of hobbled out of the gym, um, which was good. Because usually I, I hit legs and I feel like I hit them pretty hard. But uh, I, I think it's a mental thing. Like I, I'm kind of holding back a little bit. So today I really felt like I kind of I kind of brought it a little bit. And, you know, music is everything. And uh, today was Pearl Jam Day in the gym. So I listened to all of 10 and um, most of Versus, the first two albums, by the time I wrapped up that workout. So... Um, that was what, uh, what the doctor called for. So, uh, what have I been working on here? So, um, I, am I'm, I'm officially kind of cruising into off season mode right now. So I feel like all of the, the food related issues, all the, you know, fatigue and exhaustion issues, those are pretty much behind me at this point. Things feel a lot more even keel right now. So I'm looking for good things ahead. And part of that is also just trying to balance things out a little bit. So as any, I know that, you know, a lot of people who listen to this are trainers themselves and, um, all trainers know that January is the time when things get crazy. So, uh, and this, it's, I'm not really an exception there because, you know, a lot of my business revolves around competition prep. I'd say it's, it's about 50, 50. And, um, I'm actually making some changes on the website to reflect that quick detour on there. If you check it out, fivestarphysique.com. Um, I put up separate pages now. If you go under coaching from the menu, there's a little drop down menu there that says contest prep coaching. And then there's another one that says body training transformation coaching. So those are the two things that I do. And those are the two things that I've always done. I'm just trying to delineate it a little bit more clearly and talk about, you know, the differences between each and realistically just addressing that there aren't too many differences, but just making it very clear. Like, yes, I do contest prep. That is not exclusively all that I do. So for, for contest prep, however, um, 
you know, January isn't necessarily the most happening month necessarily because, you know, there's the shows start for, for most regions. They really pick up in April. There are uh, some states and regions that have shows in March, a couple that have them in February, and every now and then you can find a January show. It's really, really unusual, though, just because those are going to be small shows because nobody wants to be in the heat of their prep through the holidays. <laughs> it's just stupid. So uh, if, if, if I was going to write a tutorial on how to promote a show poorly – it would be to put it in January for starters, uh, or to to schedule it for you know uh, December twenty eighth or the Saturday after Christmas, whatever that would be. I mean, <laughs> that's the only thing that would potentially be even worse than that. So um, the the point being, if you've got an April show lined up, uh, you know you you probably already have settled on your coach, unless you are really flying by the seat of your pants last minute, or you're just planning on it being a shorter prep. Maybe you're just walking around pretty conditioned all the time, and you're you know somewhere between eight and twelve weeks out. You don't need to be jumping into prep um, right at the start of January. So. Uh, January for, for contest prep coaching, it's not a huge month, but uh, I got a lot of inquiries for, um, you know, some people who are just coincidentally, it's like it's January. So it's time to, you know, start thinking about, you know, this show that I want to do in August or September and start putting in some, some research and some work ahead of time before prep starts. Great. Absolutely. Um, and then there's a lot of, uh, people that I would, I would put in the, the body transformation category as well. Don't have contest prep aspirations. Um, but it's just time to get started on something in January seems like a good time for that. So um, if I'm looking at my uh, my client roster here, um, because, you know, I maintain a spreadsheet for everything um, on the business side of things, um, I, one of the things on there is a, oops, that needs to be updated. Hold on. <laughs> um, let me just check it out here. There we go. Okay. Oops. Nope. Boy, my my uh, my keyboard is, I think, maybe in need of a new battery or something. It's uh, really kind of sketchy. Um, so I also maintain a uh, a list of you know active active leads or you know people that I uh, have been communicating with that are currently in the paperwork stage. We've kind of worked through the preliminary, like, do I want to do this? Do I want to hire this schmuck? What? And uh, we've said, yeah, yeah. I mean, this guy seems like kind of a dork, but he seems like he knows what he's talking about. So cool, let's do it. And so I, mean, I maintain a list of those people as well. So um, so I know. You know who actively I need to be um, pursuing to follow up with, and that that list is uh, it's growing. So, um, but uh, it's all right because uh, homeboy's got to pay for this landscaping job that's happening out back right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. Um, this should be a good a good year for the podcast. I'm excited about it. Um, should be a good year all around. I've got some business goals established. I've got some personal goals established. So let's outline those really quick. One um, is to uh, not get overly into the business, like not let myself get completely and wholly consumed by it. I need to continue growing it. I've got those business goals that I need to work towards, but I need to do it intelligently and make sure that I give myself a little time away from it as well so that I'm not sitting here 16 hours a day in front of the computer. Um, and realistically, I work best if I give myself little breaks throughout the day anyway, you know, 15 minutes here, 30 minutes there. So that's where I'll work in some of these other goals. So one of them that will, will be more of like a weekend um, kind of uh, thing is to consistently keep myself busy in the shop um, with building some stuff. I've got a couple of projects that I'm working on right now. I've posted a couple things in my Instagram story over the weekend. So I was working on um, 
rehabbing this roll top desk. And really it was all I was doing in the initial phase of that was just um, redoing the drawer bottoms in that. Cause they were all, you know, they were, they were torn to hell and back. So I've, I've done that. That's completed now. Um, there may be a phase later on that would require um, replacing a piece of the roll top mechanism itself because it is broken. Um, that's a much bigger project. That's going to require a little deconstruction and some surgery um, and then some pattern matching, which I'm game for that. But uh, you know, one thing at a time right now, what I'm working on um, and I, this is what I posted a couple of pictures of is a, uh, a drop zone for our upstairs by the front door of this house that we bought last year, well, two years ago now, 2017. Um, love it. It's great. One thing that I would say that as a strike against it is it doesn't have a coat closet. So um, I need to build a little drop zone where it's a place where you can put like dog stuff, shoes, hang coats, etc. So I've built one of those for the basement already. So I'm going to do a slightly scaled down version of the same thing, perhaps with a slightly different color scheme um, upstairs. And so that is, I would say... If we discount the finishing, the painting and the staining, it's probably about 80%. I ordered some stainless steel feet for it from Amazon. Those will be showing up tomorrow. And then it's just a matter of installing it. And there's a big panel mechanism that goes behind it on the wall as well. So that'll be cool. Um, so that's happening out in the shop. Um, uh, I've committed uh, and I, I've made this deal with a friend, uh, Carol, and we're going to do it together well, separately, but uh, holding each other accountable is we're learning Italian. So um, I do not have anything to share with you yet, unless you want to hear uh, my horrible Italian version of The Man Drinks Water, um, which uh, I, I missed my lessons over the weekend. So I'm a little rusty on that. I'll get back to you on it, but I'm going to stick to it. I'm going to stick with it. I am. I promise you that. Um, and then I, uh, on the music side of things, I want to pick that up a little bit. And so the first thing is we've, we've kind of made an official decision. Our two bands are going to consolidate down into one. Um, and what we had before was, you know, it was the, the core, um, group of myself, Dina, my wife and Trey, our friend, um, piano and two singers. And then we had a, uh, another version of that band that added a drummer and a bass player. Well, our drummer, Aaron, hi, Aaron, if you're listening, um, he moved across the country and uh, we have not found an official replacement for him yet. And uh, our bass player, he's in another band as well. Uh, and uh, that band is getting a lot more work and he just doesn't really uh, have the time for, for two bands that have ambitious goals. So um, we're kind of ditching the five piece band for now and not worrying about that and kind of letting, letting go of any guilt that we have about not getting together. We're kind of disbanding that, but we're keeping the trio together and we're going to focus on that because, you know, we, uh, we went to a place, um, uh, with a couple friends this weekend. Um, and yeah, it was kind of like to have dinner, but also to scout it out as a possible performance venue. And we talked with the owner while we were there and he said, yeah, uh, we do music. I handle the booking, um, but we don't want loud bands. You know, we want like acoustic stuff. We're like, hello, that's what we are. So, and we find that more and more there are places like that. They don't want um, <clears throat> a giant loud party band that's gonna, you know, make it impossible for people to talk over. They want something that, you know, can you know, be heard in the background. You can focus on it if you want. You can kind of ignore it and talk over it if you want without really killing yourself. So that's what we're gonna focus on. But then um, the other piece of that, and this is just more for me, um, is uh, I want to focus on my writing a little bit more. 
And uh, for me, writing and recording are inextricably linked. So you write a song, um, for me, it's all about how it's recorded and how it's arranged um, in that recording. So um, what that means is I need to step up my game a little bit on my, specifically my drum work and my bass work. So I'm kind of revamping our drum kit here. I'm going to be refining my chops a little bit. I think it's hilarious that I even refer to my drumming skills as chops um, because they aren't. They are pathetic. Um, But I might uh, actually invest in... some lessons for a little bit. Um, I can I can hack my way around a guitar and a bass enough to do what I need to do, which is you know most of the stuff is going to be largely piano based. I want to be able to put down a good drum groove behind it and not have it be programmed, just because I find it's it's difficult to program something the way I hear it in my head um, and have it not sound robotic and stupid. So I'm uh, willing to accept something that's a little bit more organic, has some flaws in it, um, but I, I'm actually, you know, I, I have some experience with recording um, and getting some decent drum, uh, decent sounds out of a drum kit. So um, I'm our little, <laughs> little uh, itty bitty four piece jazz kit in here. Uh, I'm getting some new heads for that. I'm going to order some replacement symbols for it because we ordered this just as a practice kit and it was just a, a cheap ass shitty Pearl Roadshow jazz kit. Tiny, tiny, 13 inch snare, 10 and 14 inch toms, um, and an 18 inch kick. Tiny, tiny little thing. Uh, but you know, still, you know, you tune it the right way. You put some heads on it and, you know, depending on how you, uh, how you record it, you can make it sound a little bit bigger than it is. So, um, I'm going to be working up to speed on that. Um, dusting off the the bass chops a little bit and then working on some guitar stuff as well. So um, all all for the sake of writing and just having some fun with it. So those are my New Year's resolutions. So that being said, let's get to it here. Um, Had some some interesting uh, questions coming through. So we're going to tackle some of those. I'm going to go with um, two things right off the bat that were not voicemails. Um, Actually, you know what? Um, one of the things that I do is, you know, the the number that I have set up here, um, 865-518-2974. You can also go to thedropset.com. The phone number is posted there. From your phone, you can just click on the link and call the number right from there. Go straight to the message, and you can leave your message and record it. And then what happens is I get an email notification, hey, somebody left you a message, and then I go and, and I download it, and it goes into my waiting slash to-do folder. Um, and so I've got a bunch of them sitting in there right now. I'm actually going to tackle those first because um, there's too many of them sitting in there, and I want to work these out. So also these are all, uh, everyone here. And then also, um, who do we have previously? We have Aaron and Josh that I already have post-it notes for. You're going to be going into the, uh, into the hat and I'm going to draw, um, a name out of that for our raffle. That's going to be at the end of the week. So we'll, we'll do this through Friday and then we'll close it down and then we'll have a winner, um, for something from the five-star physique shop, which by the way, now, um, bury the lead, damn it. Um, if you go to fivestarphysique.com and you click on shop, um, everything is up there now. Previously, I only had it on my Facebook page, but I have since um, mirrored that all towards my uh, to the website as well. So you can purchase from there. Um, one of my clients, um, Brian, shout out, um, he wanted to get a couple things. And on Facebook, it's like you can only do an order for a single item. He's like, there's no way to add a cart. I'm like, well, I know I can do a cart if it's on the website. So here, let me just port it over there really quick. I, I thought it was going to take the better part of a day. It took about 30 minutes, actually. So um now, what you'll see up there is the Five Star Physique logo collection. Those are all things with like the big logo right on the front. Um, and then most of those also have the, the website on the back. Um, so that is the uh, FSP logo collection that you'll see up there. That collection is now complete. That is done. I will not be adding anything else to that. So um, I did add some uh, more colored tanks um, over the weekend. Um, I think I might have done that on Friday. So we've got t-shirts, tanks, um, you know, some, some unisex tanks, some racerback um, tanks for women. Um, 
pullover, zip up uh, sweatshirts as well. So there's all kinds of stuff up there. Go check it out. So, um, where was I going with that? Uh, oh yeah, that's what uh, people are eligible to win with this thing. So yeah. Um, <laughs> so that'll go through Friday after the podcast on Friday. Um, or maybe I'll actually, uh, I'll do it. I'll do it live as part of the show. We'll do the drawing here and uh, I'll record video of that and post that as well. So through Friday, that's, that's your deadline. So if you're going to call in, do it. So let's go ahead and jump right into the first one. Let's take it right now. Hey Darren, it's Sam Liss. I'm from Brooklyn. Um, I am one of your clients, but I, uh, my sister has come to me because since I'm in bodybuilding uh, with the hope that I can help her with her 2019 fitness goals. She's had some historical uh, experience with some eating disorders, so my question is, how would you recommend coaching someone that has historically had eating disorders? Or, um, and if you would even recommend having them go on the scale if they're not necessarily going through like a full bodybuilding step. All right. Thanks. Bye. All right, Sam. Thanks. Um, and uh, yeah. By the way, Sam is a uh, is a drummer as well. And so, Sam, when it comes time to it, um, I may be hitting you up for some uh, drum tuning techniques. So. Uh, yeah, I, I've tried it before, and it's just a thing. I, I, I don't have an ear for it, and I don't know if I've just never really done it in a room where I can hear what the drums are doing, but I've always struggled with it. I'm like, yeah, that sounds good, and then I hit it, and I'm like, that sounds like sounds like I'm just hitting a piece of leather that's <laughs> strung on the back of a couch or something. That sounds terrible. Anyway, as to your question, it's a good one. So um, somebody with a, with a history of disordered eating. Um, so first of all, and I, I get things like this from people periodically, um, where they say, "Hey, I've, I, you know, I've I've had this in my past, but I'm good now." I'm like, you know, I think it's kind of like, and I think I think most people, if if they really sat down and thought about it, they would they would probably agree with this. In that, you know, it's kind of like um, what uh, what they teach you, and I'm not sure if this is something specific to AA or NA, but once you're uh, once you're an addict, you're always an addict, and then it's just coping with that. And I think it's a similar thing with eating disorders. Like once you have an eating disorder, you're always going to have that, but you can, you know, you can move on from it. But I think it's it's typically not one of those things that just goes away and you never have to think about it. Like it's always present, it's always there. There's always the possibility that it could come back. Um, just be, and I think it's you know it's it's very much along the same lines as you know alcoholism or drug addiction, in that uh, it, it's a it's a behavior thing. It all starts with behavior, and I don't think that um, I don't think you can compare necessarily the addictive qualities of food versus the others. But I think the mechanism works in, in a similar way, and I think your uh, your what would be the best way to put this your recovery um, your 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 post um, addiction your post disorder recovery is an active process it's it's not something that you can just be passive about so um, and you know if, if there are any experts out there that want to challenge me on that first of all I would say you probably know better than I do I do not have firsthand experience with it so I am totally talking out my ass right here um, so just full disclosure on that I realize that um, this is all notice I'm saying things like I suspect and I think so you know just take that for what it is um, so whenever I get something like that and somebody's like, so I want to compete, um, I would say, are you sure? Um, because if you have dealt with disordered eating in the past, um, this is something that, you know, if anything is going to bring it back to the forefront, it's bodybuilding. 
So just because of it, it there's an, a fixation on food. So what you want to do is, is work on cultivating a better relationship with food. And I think if you get somebody um, who is not... Um, been in the gym and you get them so that they're working out more regularly and then you start um, convincing them of the the usability of food as fuel um, to get better workouts and then if they can kind of fall in love with the physical side of the process then I think they see food as more of a means to an end and you know that's certainly a long-term process Um, I would also not have them fixate fixate overly on it um, but just take a much, much more loose approach with food. Like, you know, construct healthy meals. Um, don't, uh, don't overly restrict yourself. Don't try to paint yourself into a corner and say, okay, I need to avoid all of these foods because what you'll be doing then is setting yourself up for failure. You know, some people are able to do that. For many people, it does not work. By, by you know, labeling things as forbidden fruit, you just kind of make yourself want it that much more. Um, but a more intuitive approach where you just, you know, you eat until you're full and then you stop and you start with, you know, three meals a day and then you come back and reassess from a performance perspective. How are we performing in the gym? How are we sleeping and recovering? You know, um, body composition. How do things feel? I don't think the scale is, is necessarily helpful here. And I would, I think if you avoid that, then you, you encourage somebody to be a little bit more, um, perceptive in how their body feels and then they're going to learn more about that and so they'll be able to to um, identify the changes that are happening without relying on validation from a scale especially if somebody's new to this and they start lifting and they start eating reasonably um, they're probably going to gain some weight from muscle initially um, and that can freak a lot of people out so focus on how changes in body composition feel and refer them back to you know um uh test cases, you know, how, how do your clothes fit? You know, you got that pair of jeans that's kind of like kind of dicey as far as whether you can fit it in or not. Well, oh, lo and behold, three or four weeks later, they slide on nice and easy. So um, those are the kind of things that I would use, not be overly fixated on macros, but encourage, you know, higher protein intake um, and just, you know, don't shy them away from fruits or veggies. Um, you know, it's something that um, th- those are things where if I'm training somebody for contest prep, I have much more, uh, specific guidelines on what I'd want to do. But, you know, what you're looking to do is get somebody, first of all, just having a better relationship with food and focusing on overall health. So I wouldn't restrict anything. And one thing that might be a good uh, practice or standard for them is to um, do a pre 24 hour food log. So sit down for the day at night and say, this is what I'm going to have tomorrow. And, you know, you can write something on there like, I'm going to have a small bowl of ice cream and then just stick to that and give yourself that. So baby steps, you know, you want to set a goal that's reasonable rather than saying, okay, I've been eating like absolute dog shit for 15 years and just, you know, blah, blah, everything under the sun. And now one day I'm just going to go cold turkey and I'm going to follow a standard old school bodybuilding diet plan that has six foods in it and that's it. Um, you know, some people can do that. Most people will fail and a lot of people will succeed for a couple of weeks and then they will revert back to their old habits and they will do so hard, um, just because it was too harsh of a break. So, um, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't be overly restrictive. I wouldn't try to be overly analytical with things, but I would really encourage a much more intuitive approach. Um, you know, skip the scale weigh-ins, focus on how things feel, how things fit, focus on performance, focus on, you know, largely clean flu- clean foods, but not to the exclusion of everything else. Get them drinking water a little bit more. Um, that, that's, that's how I would, uh, how I'd approach it. So great question though. Absolutely a great question. Uh, what do we got next? Yeah, Darren, this is Tom from Evansville. Realistically, how long can a 45-year-old 
man put on muscle. Thanks. Hey, Tom, thanks for the question. Good one. Short and to the point there. I like it. So um, a few ways that we can answer that. Now, um, so a generic 45-year-old man, let's say this is a guy who has never set foot in the gym in his life, and he goes in and he starts lifting, and you know he's, he's pretty good at it because you know lifting is a skill. Let's be clear on that. Um, uh, he can certainly, you know, he can, he can build some muscle because he, you know, his, his body has this potential that's been untapped. So yes, his testosterone levels will be lower than they were in his twenties, but still, um, you know, you, you, you've still got those, those, you know, what do we call them? Newbie gains, um, which are to be made regardless of your age. But I, I'm just guessing, you know, based on the fact I, I'm assuming you aren't asking for a friend here. So let's say that this is specifically a question for Tom and Tom as a listener to this podcast. It, he knows his way around the gym. He's been in there for a while. He's been hitting it. Um, I don't know anything about your history at all, but um, we'll, uh, we'll assume that that's the case here. So, um, how long realistically can you continue to gain muscle? That, that's, that's, it's a good question and it's a good thing to, to be concerned about. So, you know, as, as we age, our testosterone levels naturally dip. And so it, it is one of those things that you are wise to go and get checked on a regular basis. And if you go and get a full, um, hormone panel with your blood work, um, which is pretty routine, um, you, you'll be able to monitor those levels. And I say that just because, you know, at 45, you are definitely in the prime zone for considering hormone replacement therapy. I mean, it depends on what your blood work comes back at. Um, but if you're interested in building muscle and, and those numbers come back and they're on the lower end of uh, acceptable or they're actually outside the acceptable range, building muscle is going to be really, really, really hard. If you've been already in that muscle building process for some number of years and in a routine that is designed to build muscle or at least retain it if you're cutting. Um, and as you age, those numbers dip down a little bit. Um, I'm not going to say that your ability to, to build muscle shuts down completely and goes to zero because I think just by you know force of will and by proper execution and really, really driving intensity and having a diet set up um, that's, that's designed to help with, uh, with muscle growth, you, you can do it, but you, I mean, you're absolutely pissing into the wind, swimming upstream, whatever metaphor you like there. Um, it, it's, it's a lot harder than it has to be. And I've talked with a lot of people who were like, I want to do this naturally. You know, I don't I'm like, okay, well, you know, nature is working against you. So do you want to be a stubborn ass about it and, you know, make that uphill climb naturally or, um, and, and, you know, it's, it's about how, how, how serious you are about that goal, which is not to say that, you know, if you don't go with a hormone replacement therapy route that you aren't serious, but you know, serious slash realistic, it's gotta be a combination of the two. You're like, I want to build as much muscle as possible. I'm 45. My testosterone is below the acceptable range. You know, it's like 150 nanograms per deciliter, something like that. Ugh. Okay. Good luck with that. Uh, you know, you can you can do it. You can put in some work, but the amount of muscle you're going to be able to build is pretty minimal. It's going to be slow, and it's going to be really really hard. So if you're that guy who likes to play video games on the hardest mode possible, just because you like getting yourself killed off repeatedly until you finally figure it out, and after 200 passes through, you finally complete that level, great. This might be for you. Otherwise, though, if you have a chance to turn the difficulty down a little bit and get just a little bit of prescription-based supplementation to help out, boy, that's going to make a huge, huge difference. But the main thing to start with is you've got to know your levels. So um, get those checked. 
and you know, let that guide your decision making process. And I would absolutely, you know, if your if your levels are low, don't feel like you know supplementing with you know tribulus or anything like that is going to do the trick. I mean, what you need um, to to impact your testosterone levels is an order of magnitude change, not a percentage change. So you know, if uh, if tribulus uh, will increase your testosterone output naturally by five percent, that ain't going to move the needle much you know, versus exogenous testosterone injections, that's going to move the needle, no pun intended. Uh, but that, that's, that's the way to go. Absolutely. So don't fight nature um, or, or, or do fight it, but don't try to do it without a little bit of assistance um, unless you want to set yourself up for a, a long, frustrating haul. So um, there, there's always things to consider, some give and take there. You're like, well, I want to compete as a natural. Yeah, okay. Um, most natural organizations will uh, will not accept hormone replacement therapy as um, within the guidelines. There, like there has to be a a uh, medical reason for testosterone supplementation that impacts your quality of life. I mean, it's got to be a medical necessity, and having low testosterone is not not typically going to qualify as a medical necessity. So, um, anyway, great question. Probably a little bit more of a, <laughs> a in-the-weeds answer than is necessary there, but hey, better, better safe than sorry. What's next? Hey, Darren. It is Aaron from Illinois. Um, it is a beautiful, brisk, 29 degrees out in central Illinois, and I'm locked out of my house. So I figured, what better time to give you a call with a question? <laughs> Don't worry. I've got somebody on, on their way. I'm not going to sit out here for too long. But um, in regards to cooking, like, ground turkey or ground beef, so when tracking it, do you want to track it after you're, like, after you drain it? So I know um, – tracking it like cooked weight, like four ounces cooked weight, but is that after draining the fat or do you want to keep the fat in? Um, that's something I've been thinking about. I mean, ground turkey's been on my meal plan for 18 weeks now and I probably should have contacted you about that earlier, but I was just thinking. So um, I'm getting cold, so I hope you have an awesome day and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. All right, thanks, Aaron. And uh, you know, I've fallen into this trap again, where uh, when I'm ready for a voicemail, I say, "What's next?" as if I'm talking to a producer or something. But uh, yeah, it, it's uh, it's stupid and it's cheesy, and I kind of apologize, but at the same time, uh, not. So uh, anyway, uh, I hope hopefully you got back in <laughs> to your house. Uh, I think that we're a little late on this. This was several days ago, so hopefully uh, all the drama has subsided. Great question here. So um, ground beef, ground turkey, um, these are things, let's just start ground zero. So you, <laughs> no pun intended, uh, you buy these as a uh, percentage of leanness. So, you know, you can get, you know, 99 you know, whatever. I mean, it's two numbers, you know, leanness versus fat that had to have to add up to 100 because they're percentages. So. The higher the first number, the leaner it is. So you get 99.1 ground turkey. Um, you are getting some seriously, seriously lean stuff. Now, keep in mind, fat equals flavor. So the leaner it is, the drier it's going to be, the less flavorful it's going to be, the more important it is that you add something to it. Um, if you ever want to know, um, without actually being incarcerated, what prison food looks like, take a pound of 99.1 ground turkey and brown it up in a pan and add nothing to it and then dish it up to yourself. There you go. Uh, now... Full disclosure, I also have not been incarcerated, so I am talking out my ass here 
again, that's the theme of 2019, apparently. Darren talks out his ass, but I can't imagine that it could be much worse than that. Uh, and I've talked with clients because, you know, a lot of people just assume, oh, okay, so I'm doing a bodybuilding meal plan here. So this food, you know, I'm, I'm eating for performance, not for taste. So all this stuff has got to be bland, boring, gross. I can't add anything to it. And I've had people complain, like, I can't eat this, this 99.1 or I've had people complain about 90.10 ground beef. I can't eat this. Uh, it's just like, well... First of all, suck it up. Don't be such a drama queen about your food. Um, but also add something to it. God, if you're eating this stuff plain, no, no, no. I mean, salt it the hell up. Throw some taco seasoning on there. Throw some some chili powder, some red pepper flakes, some um, uh, smoked paprika. Add some salsa to it. I mean, the, the list goes on and on and on. you got to add something to it. I mean, you know, flavor that shit up. Do not eat it plain. So um, the question here is uh, tracking macros and numbers um, with percentages because, you know, as you, if, if you cook up, for example, like let's say 99.1 ground turkey, um, so really dry, almost no fat in that at all, um, what's left once you've, you've cooked the whole thing up? What's left in the pan to drain out? Not much. Now, you do the same thing with some 85.15 ground turkey. What's left to drain out? Plenty, you know, quite a bit actually. Um, so you, you're you're getting out a lot of that, um, you know, melted fat out of there, and you're draining that out. So, um, but not all of it. So, for a time um, during my cut, I was operating with both 98.2 ground turkey as well as 93.7 at the same time, just because I was playing around with fat macros a little bit. The difference in taste between the two was incredibly noticeable. Like that 98.2 was really dry, and then you that 93.7 hits your mouth, and I'm not going to use the M word, um, but you know it just had a lot more um, juiciness to it. I, I can't say that word. I, I just I refuse to say it. I won't do it. Um, so uh, I, I mean, clearly some fat drains out of that 93.7 turkey, but there's still some left in there. How much drained out? It is, for all intents and purposes, unknowable. So um, what I do is, you know, if you, if you look at macros for raw 93.7 turkey versus cooked 93.7 turkey, you'll find that most of those, that um, they may say one or the other, but most of those are assuming it has not been drained of anything. So all the fat is still in there. So, um, of course, you can keep it in there. Um, if you refrigerate it, it will all congeal into some gross little mass. Um, but also, once you microwave that and it melts and then you stir it back up, it's really tasty. It's some good stuff. So don't feel like you have to drain it. And if you're logging those entries, you're already baking those fat macros into your proverbial cake. So you might as well, um, you know, get all the benefit from it. You know, you're, you're having 93.7 turkey. The reason you're having that and not 98.2 is um, because we want the extra fats, the saturated fats that are in there. So um, don't feel like you've got to drain it. Use it and just, you know, uh, uh, know that by the time you get all of that gone from the container that you've cooked up, whether you batched one, two, four pounds at a time or whatever, um, all of those macros are going to be in you. So if you get a little bit more fat in this one and a little less in this next meal that you dish up, you know, you're getting it all in over time anyway. Um, and uh, if, you, if you drain it, just figure, you know, you're logging a, a cer certain macros and you're logging fats that you aren't consuming. Um, but we're just going to consider that to be error um that is uh 
not anything that we're going to be too concerned about. It's, it's realistically, it's probably a few grams of fat, um, which, you know, I, I don't want to say that we shouldn't stress it, but also it's not really easy or possible to fix. We don't know how much exactly is coming out. So I wouldn't encourage anybody to go in and add additional fats because of that. So the, the long story short is, um, don't worry about it, but also don't necessarily feel like you have to drain it out um, because, again, fat is flavor, and you're actively sucking flavor out of your prepped uh, turkey or beef if you do that. So that would be my recommendation. Don't drain it out, and then you know that, that gross congealed fat that sits in the bottom of your Tupperware container and the big thing in the fridge, scoop some of that out, let it melt up when you microwave it in, and you will thank yourself for it later. Hey, Darren, it's Megan from Texas. I'm still pretty new to the whole flexible dieting thing, but I just wanted to ask a question that I've been wondering about. For post-workout meal, I know you've mentioned before that you can have some type of carb source that has more sugar than you would otherwise throughout the day. So I just wanted to see, like, why is that? And um, for somebody who's on a cut, is it still good to go with a carb source that has little to no sugar or is that okay post-workout thanks bye oh thanks megan um i if i if i remember correctly i think that's your first time calling in is that right so thank you for that um so great question great question so let's talk about it so um sugars post-workout so um, what the, the reasoning behind this, it, ha, it all has to do with um, regulating and taking advantage of your body's insulin production. Insulin is a hormone, and um, on the broadest levels, you can view it as a dual-function hormone. It can be very anabolic and help with muscle building, which is why some people, um, you know, competitive bodybuilders at high levels will actually um, uh, use that to their advantage, and they will um, take insulin injections. And as soon as somebody starts to mention that, um, for, for bodybuilding purposes immediately. So they say like, okay, well, you know, so-and-so obviously has a death wish because insulin is like the one thing that you can take. That's an anabolic product that will actually kill you if you do it wrong to which I say, absolutely correct. Yes. Um, I mean, you, you, um, you uh, overdo it on insulin and you don't have your, your carbohydrates timed right, um, yeah, you will, uh, you will put yourself into a, a diabetic coma and you can die from that. Yes, absolutely. I will also say it's pretty easy to not do that as long as you understand math and how it works and you're careful with it. So understanding the relationship between blood sugar and insulin and carbohydrates and understanding the specific insulin product that you're using, if you go that route, um, those are all things that are knowable. <laughs> they are very, very knowable. They are researchable. You can figure out all that stuff. And if you follow some very basic rules and some some pretty common sense guidelines, um, you, you can remove pretty much all of the risk from that. There's always risk in everything that we do. Of course you get in a car, uh, every time you get in a car, you're accepting some level of risk there. <laughs> so same thing applies here, but you know, uh, it, it's, it's really easy to abuse it and do it stupidly. And you know, I mean, yeah, b bodybuilders have died from insulin abuse. So we're not talking about that. However, but it's, it's all part of the same thing. So it's understanding how um, insulin works. Dual function hormone. So it's very, very anabolic. Um, it can also be used as a, it is also has a, a function as a fat storage hormone as well. So it does have an energy storage purpose as well. Um, and it depends on, you know, the, the state that your body is in um, as far as what it, uh, uh, 
um, what its its primary function is. So if your body's in more of an anabolic state, where like post workout we are in an anabolic state, um, insulin is going to function more as a muscle building hormone, and if otherwise it is not, its primary role is going to be fat storage. So then it comes down to how much of a um, spike do we get in your blood sugar levels, because that's going to dictate how much insulin is released into your bloodstream. So um, what that means is uh, higher sugar. So you know. A lot of foods, I mean, I, I would hesitate to say most foods generate some kind of a blood sugar response. They can be fairly minimal. It can be very pronounced. Um, and by, by when I say minimal, I mean some foods will elicit almost no blood sugar response at all. But there's some. There's some. Um, and then others like, you know, direct sugar, it's, you're going to get a much higher spike there. So when you look at the glycemic index, that's what that's measuring. So people talk about high glycemic index foods and low glycemic index foods. That's how much of a blood sugar spike you get from that, which then dictates how much of an insulin um, how much insulin release you get from that as well. So, um, and that's insulin for insulin, insulin for release, release from the pancreas specifically. So, um, as opposed to exogenous insulin. Um, so, um, if you, if you take in something that's higher in sugar, you get a, uh, and I mean like dietary sugar, you get a larger blood sugar spike. So you get more of an insulin um, response there. Um, so that's why, you know, post-workout, I mean, you'll find a lot of generic plans on bodybuilding.com that have things like gummy bears as your post-workout carb. It's basically pure sugar. You get a big spike in blood sugar, um, and then you get a, a, a big uh, wave of insulin release as well, which helps the body build muscle. Um, now, you can also ingest a lower glycemic, glycemic index carb, something like rice or white potato as a post-workout carb. Um, and what that does is it, you know, you still get a, a good blood sugar spike from that. It's just not quite as immediate. Um, but I would say, you know, for purposes of bodybuilding and muscle growth, um, you know, you're, you're talking about percentage points as far as which one elicits more growth. So, um, I always tell people, you know, especially on macro based plans, yeah, you can get away with something, um, that's really, really high in sugar, even like almost pure sugar post-workout. And there isn't really a huge problem with that. Um, try and avoid that or minimize that throughout the rest of the day so that you can avoid those big, tremendous blood sugar spikes and avoid those big waves of insulin release in your system as well during those times when your body is not in that anabolic state. So that's the reasoning behind that. But you don't have to have something that's high, high in sugar because you'll still get a similar um, blood sugar response and insulin release. Um, it won't be quite as pronounced. It won't be quite as um, spiked, but it will still happen. So hopefully that helps a little bit. Um, we've got one more message here that will uh, has an interesting story behind it. Let me see if I can do a little bit of kung fu here and make that work. Hey, Darren. This is Craig from uh, Maryland. I just wanted to congratulate you on your 100th episode. And I had a question. Um, I heard in earlier in one of your podcasts that uh, when uh, consuming um, protein, you should consume about one to one point five grams of protein. You know, uh, that's according to your your body weight. Um, I'm not competing. I'm just trying to tone up. So I wonder if that would still be a, a good amount of uh, pro protein to consume after I work out. And um, also, um, I recently incorporated uh, kickboxing into my workout regimen, and um, I'm starting to see better results, but um, after I'll do 30 minutes of uh, cardio kickboxing, and then I'll do weight training, um, I'm super hungry, and I'm not sure what would be a, um, 
a good amount of food to consume afterwards because I don't want to be overeating and I guess hurting myself more than, uh, you know, I'm helping. Um, yeah, I'm not, again, I'm not trying to um, compete or anything or put on a bunch of masks. I'm just trying to uh, tone up. And also is a difference in um, protein as far as fish, chicken, and um, steak or, you know, meats. Which one would you prefer uh, to eat rather than the other? All right, thank you. All right, thanks, Craig. Much appreciated. So um, the the funny thing about that message was um, Craig called my cell phone, which I've got that number posted somewhere. I don't know. It's 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 up there and it's available. Um, but uh, so that, that went to my cell phone's email or voicemail, and not my um, you know the the podcast call in number. So I'm like, uh, how can I do this? So I see that there's a way to like take a message and forward it. So I forward it to my email, and then I got it on my computer, and then I tried to bring it into my audio program here, and it's some weird dot amr format that i've never heard of and my uh, recording program's like yeah i don't know what the hell that is so i had to convert it to something else but it eventually worked so there we go so it's all good um so craig thank you a couple good questions there so um one, one thing that i i would um say and i uh i talk about um I, I talked about at the beginning here about you know contest prep coaching versus what i call body transformation coaching you would be in the latter so not having competitive aspirations but i don't really differentiate between the strategies strategies and the tactics that i use for those two um what i would differentiate is you know time management and phasing and you know how much time we spend on certain things but you know like your protein intake and that kind of stuff you know, you know i mean what's good for the goose is good for the gander so what's good for a competitor is good for a non competitor um who has a similar aesthetic goal um, also, um, let's avoid using the term tone at all. No, no. no. I, what toning means is you're trying to build muscle and lose fat. So if you're going for a more toned aesthetic, you're going for more pronounced muscle definition, which means building muscle and then being able to see it. So let's just call it what it is and not try to, you know, sell our, sell our goals short or anything like that. Um, it, it, it's, it's something that has, you know, that, um, that word is something that has connotations that imply that we don't want to work too hard because we don't want to get too big. And realistically, um, regardless of what your goals are, you should always be training and approaching your diet with the goal of trying to get too big because it likely ain't going to happen because it's hard as hell to make that happen. So um, don't sell yourself short is the, what I'm saying there. So, yeah, I mean, one to one and a half grams of uh, uh, protein per pound of body weight reasonable. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Something in that general range. And I would say like one, one and a quarter grams per pound is a, a pretty good starting point. So if you are, um, 150 pounds, what's that's going to be? Um, hold on, hold on. Nobody said that there would be math involved. Shit. It'd be about 190, 190, 190 grams for 200 pounds. It's going to be more like what? 250 ish, something like that. So body weight times 1.25, that gets you in the rough starting point for, you know, if you're trying to build muscle or retain it at a caloric deficit, that's a good place to start. Um, how much food post-workout? Tough to say without knowing, you know, um, what kind of a workout you're doing. I mean, you mentioned kickboxing, so that's like more of a cardio session as far as I'm concerned. I mean, certainly there's muscle activation involved there, but um, you're, you're getting much, uh, much more of a cardio benefit there. Um, now, if that's following something else, I don't remember what the message said exactly. If you're hitting weights and then doing uh, kickboxing, so if you're if you're having a longer session like that, um, it depends on the intensity of it as well. I mean, you know, what I would say is, um, and and this is going to be, you know, uh, uh, advice from Captain Obvious here. 
is settle on something. Um, so say I'm going to have, you know, 35 grams of protein. I'm going to throw in 45 grams of carbs and 10 grams of fat into a post-workout meal. And it's going to be this, and that's what I'm going to have. And then try that and try and hold other variables steady as much as you can and see how things work. I mean, the, the thing is, when you're a post-workout, if you've gone through an intense session, um, whether it's lifting or a combination of lifting and cardio, if it's just cardio, I would say this doesn't necessarily apply there. Um, you know, your, your body is likely going to soak up what you want to throw into it within reason. So as long as you don't go crazy with it, you're going to find that your body will accommodate and, and adapt to that pretty well. So, um, uh, and I would say like what I, without knowing anything about what you're doing or your overall size, level of development, level of conditioning. I'd say, you know, uh, somewhere on the lines of like 35, 45, 10, like I talked about protein, carbs, and fats, that's a reasonable place to start. And, uh, you know, you could certainly go up from there, come down from there, um, just depending on how things feel and what kind of changes you notice in body composition, if any. Keep in mind, it's one meal throughout the day as well. So the other meals that you have throughout the day are going to have a, a, an equally big impact um, as far as your overall change in body composition. Best protein sources, you know, what you're looking at there um, is largely, I mean, you're... The, Everything has a complete amino acid profile. So on a macro level, and by macro, I mean like zoom out, look big picture, um, they all work. They all work fine. Um, what you're going to be looking at are micronutrients, so differences in you know iron intake and red meat, that kind of thing, and then uh, fat content as well. So um, you know steak, even lean steak, is going to have um, higher fat than something like uh, chicken breast or lean ground turkey. Um, you know, you're bringing in some more saturated fats with some of those um, red meats as well, which can be great. Um, um, but it's also easy to go over a, a caloric budget if you're looking to maintain an established one, um, like on a deficit, for example. So, you know, leaner proteins are, are easier to work in. They're typically as satisfying. And then for your fat sources, you can bring in things, you know, for, for me... I always like the leanest, if I'm going to have steak, I, I like the leanest cut of steak I can get anyway, just because I don't like the fattier cuts, personal preference. Um, so if I've got a lot of dietary fat that I can go through, like if I've got if my dietary fat allowance is set pretty high, I'm not going to want to blow that on fatty cuts of red meat. I'm going to want to bring in other dietary fats like, you know, some avocado, some peanut butter, um, this stuff, you know, nuts, cashews, et cetera. So um, that's more up, more up my alley, personal preference. Um, but for me, I, I wouldn't be wasting a lot of those dietary fats on those fattier cuts. But as far as what's most effective, I mean, you know, any and all are going to be fine. I wouldn't, you know, a lot of people will say, well, I always have steak post-workout. Like, okay, well, there, there are a long, long, Long list of people who have not done that who have had great results. So just because somebody says they like to do this doesn't mean it's necessarily any more helpful um, than doing something else. So don't read too much into that. What I'm telling you is the actual foods matter a whole lot less as long as they hit certain criteria. Like you want your post-workout protein to be a complete protein source. You want all of your protein sources to be a complete protein source. So um, something like uh, black beans, while they are a legume, they are relatively high in protein for something that is predominantly dominantly a carbohydrate source, they're not a complete protein. So you don't want that as your only protein coming in post-workout. Plus, in order to get a reasonable amount of protein, like if you wanted to hit that 35-gram target, you're going to have to have a ton of beans, and your carbs are going to be really high. So... Um, don't, don't, uh, don't fight it, you know, <laughs> go, go with the easy, obvious, complete protein sources, you know, um, lean meats, steak, if you want to eggs, egg whites, whey protein, all that kind of stuff. So, um, some dairy as well, like Greek yogurt, et cetera. If that's something that you want to incorporate into your plan, you can certainly do that too. So, um, 
Let's see. Uh, I had a couple other things to go over here. I actually worked through all the messages that I had built up. So if you're thinking about uh, if you're thinking about leaving a message, you can kind of see what you're up against as far as how much competition there's going to be in the raffle. Don't think about it too much. Just call in 865-518-2974. Call in, leave your message. Um, that'll be going through Friday. So you've still got a chance to, to call in and have your voice heard, literally. Um, and then we'll, we'll deal with the rest of those um, topics on Friday. And then we'll do the raffle as well. I've got a couple other things to discuss here, but I'm going to save that until Friday as well. So um, we'll see. It might be, it might end up being an extra long episode on Friday, but uh, I've had uh, pretty much um, nothing but complaints whenever I do a shorter episode. Um, Rachel, I'm looking at you specifically. (laughs) She, she sent me a, a, an email that said like, yeah, thumbs down on the shorter podcast episodes. I'm like, Hey, if it's a shorter one, that means it was either that or nothing. So, you know, deal with it. (laughs) But all feedback appreciated. So, um, yeah, let's put a wrap on this. Um, let's come back to it on Friday. Um, deal with some more questions and then these other topics as well. So, um, Aaron from Instagram, um, I've, I've got your, uh, your topic here and I will be covering that as well. And, uh, Devin, same with you. So, um, these were written in suggestions. So we will definitely be tackling that. Um, Okay, that's it. By the way, um, did you know, um, she's going to go off here, Um, you can play the drop set through your Amazon Echo device. Um, and presumably this works with uh, Google Home and you know other smart speakers like that as well. So um, I could say, uh, let me see if I can create a feedback loop here. Um, where, where is she? I can't, I can't see her. Alexa, play podcast The Drop Set. Oh, yeah. Let's turn up the volume here a little bit. Hold on. (laughs) You hear that? Yeah. (laughs) Totally cheesy. I feel like I'm going to create some kind of meta feedback loop here. (laughs) Alexa, stop. For the love of God, please stop. So what I need to do is take this episode and play it back through my Echo and see if when it gets to this point, if she starts talking to herself and having her play the episode within the episode, that would be cool. So... These are the things I think about when I get really bored. So, all right, that's it. I'm going to wrap this up because clearly it's time to do that. So thank you all for listening. I appreciate it. We'll be back on Friday and uh, see what's going on. 